Well, well, welcome to 2x e-commerce, the e-commerce marketing growth podcast where you ask questions and I, Kenny, answers them. Also here from proven marketing growth experts who are number one or number two in specialist areas of online retail marketing. So if you work in or own an online retail business, listen in, get involved, join me, and let's put some fuel to skyrocket your e-commerce growth. So on the inbound marketing strategies, how do you beat Amazon? Natural search and our search engine position is critical to the customer flow through the website. I personally would not have an account process interrupt checkout flow at all. My favorite customer lifetime value calculation is an easy one. It's your average order value times that purchase frequency times uh, your customer lifespan. I'm Kune Campbell. Let's get rolling. If you're looking to grow your business, there's only one way by building real quality customer relationships. Most marketing software will claim they can do this, but will never deliver on their promises. You need to demand more from your marketing software. And that's where Clavio comes in. Clavio helps you build meaningful customer relationships by listening and understanding cues from your customers, allowing you to easily turn that information into valuable marketing messages. That is why 10,000 innovative brands have switched to Clavio. What's the secret to building customer relationships? Tune in to Clavio's Beyond Black Friday docuseries to find out and unlock marketing strategies you can use to keep momentum going year round. Just head over to Clavio.com forward slash beyond BF for more. That's Clavio.com forward slash beyond BF.com. Okay, welcome, welcome, welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast show. I'm your host, Kune Campbell, and this is the podcast dedicated to rapid growth in online retail. And, you know, we're concerned in, you know, um, just hacking or driving, you know, growth um, on metrics such as conversions, average order value, traffic, and ultimately sales. On today's show, I have been, you know, looking forward to, to this conversation like forever. But before I even, you know, say that, this is our first Facebook live, um, you know, um, interview. Um, is I'm excited. I, you know, I want some of you guys, you know, to just get it raw, you know. So a lot of the time when you listen to this show, you, you know, you're listening to a recording that's like three weeks back. But I think... If you guys subscribe to the Facebook page, you, you you just get the interviews raw. You know, no editing, absolutely nothing. You just get it here. So I would encourage you to go to to just search for two X e commerce on um, on Facebook, and you know you get updates on um, on when X I'm going to record um, the, the webinars live. Yeah. So back to today's episode. Marie Haynes is the number one expert, in my opinion, right now in um, what is going on in, in, in SEO, which is more, you know, around um, EAT. And we're going to talk about this EAT, you know, we're going to break everything down. Um, and I've been chasing to, to have her here. She's a busy, busy woman with, um, with a heavy schedule and she's finally had the time to, to, to come on the show. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Marie to, to the show. Welcome, Marie. 
Oh, thank you so much for having me, Kunle. It's uh, it's been, and thank you for the kind words. My gosh, I think uh, I mean there's a lot of people who know a lot of stuff about Google's quality raters guidelines, but I mean we have been obsessed with them for a couple of years now. So anytime I get to talk about this stuff, I love it. So thank you. Uh, fantastic. No, you're you're very welcome, and your content speaks for itself. You know, on on the website, the in depth your blog post, um, your you know the in depth analysis you've you've run, you know through it, it gets you thinking and, and when you search google for the quality guidelines and, and its impact on on seo you know a lot of your content comes comes up okay oh, thanks Cheers. we're doing good work then right <laughs> absolutely absolutely um so could you take a minute or slightly less to you know introduce yourself and um you know what what, what you're doing and your company your agency please Sure thing. So my name is Marie Haynes, and we have a smaller agency um, based in Ottawa, Canada. And for years, I was a, a solo consultant and did a lot of site reviews, a lot of Google penalty work. And uh, just a couple of years ago, I decided to hire some people to, you know, just do a little bit of uh, background work for me. Um, and it blew into a, an agency. And so now we have a, a group of us right now. There's a, a group of uh, seven of us who um, we basically do site reviews, mostly all day long. Um, and we look at sites in the eyes of not just the quality raters guidelines, but looking at technical issues on sites and um, link quality and all sorts of things. You know, anything, if Google has said, oh, this could be a sign of high quality, then we try to encourage our clients to, you know, incorporate that into their websites. So um, that's basically what, what we do. Amazing, amazing, amazing. So I guess we should start out by or talking about um, the fundamental pillars in e-commerce SEO. So a lot of listeners to to this show are um, you know e-commerce store owners or e-commerce you know store managers, and they want to know you know um, what they should be keeping an eye on in in SEO when it comes to e-commerce. Mm-hmm. So that's a hard thing to summarize down into, you know, just a couple of points. I think, I mean, e-commerce e- SEO is not dramatically different than regular SEO. Um, there's certainly features, technical features that are challenging for e-commerce stores. And one of the the things that we look at is uh, a lot of e-commerce stores get massive amounts of thin content, um, meaning that they can have, you know, thousands of pages in Google's index that very few people are ever going to land on. And, and and so there could be specific challenges with um, keeping your entire site high quality when you've got you know thousands or millions of SKUs that you uh, are offering. Um, and so you know the technical aspects of e-commerce are probably not what we're going to get into today. Um, but there are specific things in again in the quality raters guidelines uh, that we can get little hints from those guidelines specific to e-commerce stores to say, ah, Google considers it higher quality when we do this. And um, you know, maybe if you do uh for example, if you do um, keyword stuffing on your product pages, that's a sign of low quality. Um, and so there's a number of little things that could be specific to e-commerce. But generally, I mean, good SEO practices are the same for uh, every site with just little nuances here and there. Got it. Got it. Got it. Um, okay. So let's talk about the... What do you think in the last 12 months, maybe 12 to 18 months, has been um, the most significant change um, mm-hmm. in, in, in SEO? 
I would go back even a tiny bit further if I could to February of 2017. So two years ago from when we're recording this, I really believe that that's when Google started strongly implementing this EAT, uh, expertise, authoritativeness, and trust into their algorithms. And then we saw um, there were some really significant algorithm updates in the last year or so. We had March of last year, 2018, August 1st uh, last year and also September 27th were really, really big Google updates that we really feel were related to uh, Google's assessment of quality for a site, not so much of technical things and, um, you know, little things like are your canonical tags properly referenced, but uh, things that are really hard to measure um, uh, that determine quality. So I personally think that that started in early 2017. And then almost every algorithm update that we've seen since then um, has something that we can tie back to these quality raters guidelines. Okay. Um, let's talk about this quality rater guidelines. Um, what should listeners be, be aware of? Sure. So the first thing to know is that um, these guidelines are not the same as Google's guidelines on quality, which is really confusing, right? So Google mm -hmm. has, um, they have, a lot of SEOs are not even aware that Google has a guide to SEO uh, and it's actually quite good. I mean, there's a lot of very basic stuff in there, but that's not the quality raters guidelines. So Google's quality raters, they're people who, they don't technically work for Google, they're contracted out and there, there's varying numbers on how many people exist as quality raters in the world, but it's at somewhere between 10,000, maybe even 100,000 people. And they get this book uh, and it's available for everybody. You can find it online. If you just do a search for quality raters guidelines, you'll find this PDF. It's 160 some pages. And um, what it is, is it's basically uh, an instruction manual for these quality raters to say, if you are um, evaluating this website, would you, this is something that you would uh, make it that would make you consider it low quality, or this is something that would make it be considered high quality. And so what we believe happens is that, well, actually Google said this, that they use these quality raters to test how well their algorithms are doing. So if Google's engineers say, ah, we want to work on making it so that sites using this spam tactic are no longer ranking well, they can change the algorithm and then they show the results of that test to the quality raters. And then they have actual human beings assess the search results in the eyes of this criteria that they've made. So let's say, for example, we'll look at um, a, an important update for e-commerce stores was September 27th of uh, 2018. Mm -hmm. And we saw a lot of sites that had what we'd call trust issues that were laid out in the quality raters guidelines saw drops at this time. So let's say that they, um, here's one example. One of the things that's in the quality raters guides is uh, that it should be very clear um, to a user to find your refund policy, your return policy, your terms and conditions, things like that. So we saw a number of sites where uh, they had dropped and I'm sure there were other issues as well, uh, but they didn't actually have a policy on refunds or they had, um, you know, uh, people complaining that they couldn't get a refund and all of the um, reviews were filled with people saying, you know, this company is awful because I couldn't get a refund and the product wasn't what I expected. So mm -hmm. the quality raters guidelines would outline, here are some things. If you can't find the terms and conditions page, that's a sign of low quality. Uh, you know, if, if uh, you just can't get refunds, that's a sign of low quality. So let's say that the Google engineers decided, look, we don't want to rank sites, uh, you know, that have a number of trust issues like this, they'll create 
changes to the algorithm to try to make it so that algorithmically they determine that type of thing. Mm -hmm. And they put that in front of the quality raters and say, okay, now, now that we've told you that it's a sign of high quality to have this and this, are you still seeing sites that rank highly um, with those quality issues? Hopefully that makes sense. So the quality raters are there to test how well the engineers are doing at accomplishing what they're trying to accomplish. So, so, so they roll out algorithmic changes and they need a set of human, you know, human eyes and opinion to see if, you know, those, whatever's been in place is indeed, you know, airtight. Exactly. Yeah. I initially thought that, and, and this might be possible. I mean, I initially thought that they used all of this information from the quality raters as almost like a machine learning set that mm-hmm. they could say, look, we've established that this group of sites that have been manually reviewed have high quality features. And now let's see if we can um, apply that to sites all around the web. Uh, and Google has said that they don't use machine learning in regards to the quality raters. So it's more, um, I'm not so worried about what a quality quality rater would think of my website. I'm more worried about the stuff that's in those guidelines. You know, um, Ben Gomes, who is the vice president of search at Google, he had uh, a quote in um, an interview by CNBC where he said, and, and I'm paraphrasing here, but essentially if something's in the quality raters guidelines, it doesn't mean that that's exactly what's in Google's algorithms, but it shows us where they want the algorithms to go. Mm-hmm. So that was the important thing, right? So if something is in these guidelines, it's kind of a hint that, well, maybe Google's measuring this algorithmically, maybe they're trying to measure it algorithmically, but ultimately they want to be able to measure that type of thing algorithmically. So it's worth paying attention to. It is, it is. It's a glimpse into, you know, um, how Google is going to assess websites in, you know, in this age, you know, um, of predominantly, you know, e-commerce, user feedback, you know, social media, um, I, I can't imagine. And there's something very similar to it on Facebook. Um, Facebook now has like um, a site, you know, site feedback, a page feedback. Mm-hmm. And um, they give, you know, um, their users or users of a particular page randomly um, surveys to fill out on, on the customer experience. And if the customer experience comes low, um, they give that page a low feedback score. And it just means that when you're, you try to advertise, um, you're going to get very high CPMs mm-hmm. and, you know, generally delivery would be an issue, which seems to be the case with, with Google. And mm-hmm. it kind of reminds me also of, um, there was a while ago, um, some chap was um, running a, a store, I think it was based in New York, um, and he was scamming people basically. And, um, you know, it was not until the the, the story got to, to the New York Times that Google was able to step in, you know, based on all the negative reviews, you know, people, you know, mm-hmm. all, you know, curated, and then, you know, they, they, they just index, you know, his website. Um, it, it seems like this is a more coordinated, you know, attempt to do this at scale. Yeah. And I mean, you won't see, it's pretty rare for a site to get de-indexed. Um, I mean, if you get a manual action from Google, mm-hmm. you have to be really egregiously uh, breaking the rules or, or doing something that, you know, could hurt people. Um, but you can certainly see massive reductions in rankings algorithmically. So you're still in the index, but you know maybe you used to rank on the first page and now you're on page two or three. Um, if one, you know, these algorithms determine that there's trust issues, mm. um, 
and the, the, the question that always comes up is, you know, how would Google know? Because every business has bad reviews online, right? Mm. Um, and Google has said that they don't specifically take uh, one website and say, oh, you got a negative review on Trustpilot, so therefore we're going to rank you lower. Um, and we don't know how Google determines exactly, you know, what are trust issues on, on sites? What's something... So let me take a step back and... Um, the quality raters guidelines, they were updated in the summer of 2018. And one of the changes that was made was Google added in a couple of places the word safety of users. And they really started, in my opinion, to uh, try to find things that would be unsafe for people. So extreme examples of that would be, you know, a website that had phishing um, on it. You know, if you mm-hmm. if you were collecting credit card information and then you were uh, using that in a malicious way. Of course, Google does not want to highly rank sites that do that. Um, But there can be... um, So in the guidelines, there's a whole section that instructs the quality raters to look at what online reviews a site has. Uh, And so the the raters are given instructions to do site colon searches. Um, So they say, if you were doing research for IBM, the reputation on IBM, you might do a search for site colon... Uh, or sorry, for IBM reviews minus site colon IBM.com. So unpacking that, meaning I want to see reviews of the company called IBM, but not on IBM's own website, because of course we're going to all publish great stuff. biased, exactly. Exactly, yeah. And so what Google wants to see, or what they want the quality raters to see, is what are people saying about this website? And what the raters are instructed to do is if there's an overwhelmingly negative sentiment, or if there's a real obvious problem. So the example I gave before was, you know, a company that wasn't honoring their refunds, Mm -hmm. then Google doesn't want to rank those highly. So you know, we don't know exactly how they figure that out, but that's what the quality readers are told to do in order to determine whether this site uh, has reputation issues. That's just one of the factors. There's many other things that they're told to do as and, well. And you, you, you will think that if, you know, Google is having them check for reviews, you know, um, after an algorithmic, you know, um, change has been put into effect, then it just means that, the algorithm is actually checking for that and it's trying to see which websites have slipped through the net. Yeah. And I mean, I don't think, I don't think they look at every single review online and say, Mm -hmm. ah, you have 80% negative. So, or, you know, I I think we have some theories on how they could test it. Um, But, you know, theories are just, theories and and I don't it's not concrete enough for me to um, to come out and say, this is how they do it. But our theories are, good enough that we could say, you know, it is possible to algorithmically determine uh, whether there's um, a business that has tons of complaints. So for example, um, when we do our site quality reviews, one of the things we do is we look at online reviews for the client that we're um, reviewing and also for the competitors that are actually ranking well. And we consistently see like, oh, you know, in this niche, people tend to get reviews from uh, Yelp and Better Business Bureau. And the sites that are ranking well have good reviews. And our client who has come to us because they've had a traffic drop, they have mostly bad reviews. Uh, And so somehow Google is figuring that out. It's so the question that, yeah, so, so yeah go does ahead. That, does that mean it's relative in the, to each industry? So in e-commerce, um, you find a lot of trust pilot reviews. And mm-hmm. um, if, you know, if all your competitors also have trust pilots and, you know, you're all, you're, you know, you're all, you're all reviews.com, um, does that mean Google would look at those properties, those review properties 
to gauge if you're delivering customer experience, you know, correct customer experience or not, you know, the right. It's possible. So again, we don't know. So the quality raters are instructed to do that very thing. Um, they don't specifically mention Trustpilot in the guidelines, but they do mention uh, the four that they mention are Yelp, Better Business Bureau, Google Shopping, and also Amazon. Mm. Uh, so, um, and it, it's really good business sense too. Like if you yeah. are, uh, if you have the type of product that is listed on Amazon and can get reviews, you want to pay attention to those reviews. The problem is that we know that Google is not very good at policing reviews. I mean, if you look at their own, for people who have Google My Business profiles, we're, you're, you constantly, there's review fraud, there's scams, there's uh, all sorts of things. And so um, I think it's important to not get caught up in like, oh, I need... X and Y in terms of reviews, but just to look at, is there a problem with my business in terms of reputation? So, and this is where it becomes hard as people who are SEOs, it's very hard to SEO your way out of a reputation issue. Um, so, you know, if we're seeing, we do some reviews where we see like, oh my gosh, everybody's complaining. Like for one example, uh, this site offered, when you go to their homepage, it says it's free service for whatever. Um, but when you read the fine print, it's not free, you know? And so all of the reviews were saying, I thought I was getting a free service. And then they asked for my credit card. And like, there's a general theme of people complaining. Um, so the issue there, the SEO can't really fix that issue. That's a business issue, right? Yeah. Um, and so if you're finding that you're getting all sorts of negative reviews, you really need to take a look back and uh, take a step back and say like, what do, what needs to change in our business um, mm. in order to rank better, you know, in, in order like, for people to trust us? It, it, it looks like there are waves, you know, the, the pattern I'm seeing, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, is, um, you know, Google is evolving. Uh, so the first wave was, um, you know, keyword stuffing, you know, decades ago, um, you know, just blatant use of keywords. And then the next was like link spam. And then, you know, Google put in place Penguin to, to solve that. And um, now it's more around the business entities, you know, how trustworthy do these pollute, you know, our, our user experience, you know, because user experience, user journey start from Google. And um, Google is trying to look at the businesses holistically and see mm -hmm. if they're worthy of, 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 um, of their search. So it's getting much more intelligent. And, and that, you know, sort of circles back into this whole knowledge graph thing <clears throat> where mm -hmm. looking at businesses three-dimensionally, if, if that makes sense, rather than just flat content. Yeah, and that actually speaks to the A in EAT. I mean, we've been talking about trust, the T, obviously. Um, so a lot of people complain that Google has a brand bias. And I'm sure some of the people who are listening to this right now would say the same thing. I mean, I had somebody ask me this morning on Twitter, uh, if I had a site that was selling tape measures, um, how would I get links to that site? Now, that's a whole other discussion. We were talking about link quality. But Think about that. If you were buying a tape measure right now, would you go to, you know, bestsitefortapemeasures.com or would you go to Amazon or Amazon. Walmart? You know, <laughs> right. Like, when, so there are, I mean, I don't mean to be um, uh, disheartening to um, people who have sites like that, but the reality is that in the past, you could rank. If I had a site that all I did was sell tape measures, 
I could rank that site with enough links. You know, if I knew the right places to buy links or to um, um, to, to guest blog, you know, all those things that those things would work. And Google's just getting better at figuring out like when the average searcher searches for this, they want the big brand. Now, does that mean that you can never rank for anything if you're not Amazon or Walmart or, or something like that? No, um, but you have to find what is it that you want to rank for. So if you're selling a product that hundreds of other people are selling, you're not going to rank for that product unless you can legitimately get people saying like, oh, I want to get it from this website. Yeah. You know, um, So you need to have that authority. And authority, um, Gary Ish from Google has confirmed, and I think John Mueller has said this too, that it's, it's primarily, primarily based on offsite links and mentions. So if people are legitimately stirring up buzz about your, um, your brand, your business, those are things that speak to your EAT. But Google also knows where you can easily buy links. You know, uh, Gary has said in the past that if you buy links from Forbes, Google's aware of that. They know which parts of <laughs> Forbes to count and they know when it's a natural mention. And I know people out there are saying like, how would they know? After doing years of penalty work, it's really obvious when you look at a link profile to see like, oh yeah, this was manufactured by an SEO as opposed to this was genuine buzz about a product. Um, so it's challenging. Marie, for authoritativeness, what about brand name search? You know, um, millions of people search for Amazon and that just, in my opinion, indicates there's value in Amazon, especially if they're sticking, you know, for five, 10 minutes on Amazon and they're just not searching for the brand name. Do, do you think that builds into what Google is looking at? I think that's a part of it. I remember a few years ago, there was a commercial and I can't remember the company. It was some company that sells appliances. And there was a commercial on TV that said, are you looking for a washing machine? And then a picture came up of a Google search bar. It said, Google and their brand name. Uh, so let's say it's example, whatever. Ah, Google example washing machines. Okay. And they were asking people to actually Google their a brand name plus their, their main product that they sold. The reason why they did this was because there was a patent that came out shortly before that. Um, it actually said, you know, if people are searching for your brand plus a particular keyword, that's a signal to say like, oh yeah, when I search for, you know, again, like if I was looking, I'm trying to think of a brand, but the, I don't know any tape measure brands. <laughs> that's not a good example. But if I'm looking for this, a particular brand of tape measures, I'm more likely to show Google that my brand is associated with that tape measure. Do you know mm. what I'm saying? So, did, so yeah, I think, yeah. Getting did more they have an effect on their rankings for that keyword eventually? Did, did they start to, to come up the rankings for, you know for that? I don't keyword? know. I, I really should look back at what it was. I, I want to say it was Wayfair. I could be wrong on that though, but... Fascinating. Um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, there's... And that's the thing. Like, there's so many different factors in Google's algorithms. But when it comes down to it... I think a lot of us that have been doing SEO for, uh, you know, a few years, we were spoiled in the early years where as SEOs, we could make businesses rank that really didn't deserve to rank. Mm -hmm. um, and the goal of Google is to make it so that the websites that they present to searchers are what they were looking for. So unless your website is dramatically more valuable than those big brands, it's yeah. going to be really hard. To, or you become to a big brand yourself. <laughs> 
So, and, and then, you know, that's the thing that people said, well, well, there's no hope for me then, you know, how can I ever gain authority? And I look at myself as an example, which this is going to sound a little egotistical, but mm-hmm. um, some of you might know that uh, years ago I was a veterinarian and I was a very good veterinarian. I enjoyed what really? I did. Okay. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. I was one of the vets for Stephen Harper when he was prime minister of Canada. Ooh. And like, wow. I, okay. I, was, I loved what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't need to get into the whole story of how I got into SEO, but the point is, it was a hobby. SEO was a hobby for me. And then as I grew, I started to write things. And then I remember when Moz reached out and said, hey, we want to put you on the main Moz blog. And I'm like, yes, I've made it, you know. And and um, so I I think that today I'm recognized as an authority in SEO, um, but I wasn't years ago. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it takes time. It takes uh, legitimate press coverage. The reason I think why I've become more known is because I publish things that people truly want to read and use. Uh, And so if you want to translate that to um, if I was the owner of an e-commerce store, I need to actually produce a site where people would say, like, if you were given the choice of going to Amazon versus my site, it's not enough to say, well, my site has nicer pictures, you know, or my site has this one buying guide. Like, unless it... Google sees a pattern of people consistently preferring your site over Amazon mm-hmm. or whoever the big brand is. It's going to be very hard to beat that ranking. So one of one of those um, signals is links. I mean, links has always been a good signal, but unless you can get truly good uh, mentions, it's going to be hard to beat those rankings. That's fascinating. That, that, that is actually true. And I'm just going to add to your authority bit and why I think you know you're you're an authority. You've taken a blue ocean strategy and, you know, your rise to being an SEO authority. Um, if you went just mainstream and said what every other SEO is saying, you'd have, you know, just been every other SEO. But the fact that you've owned, you know, certain topics in, you know, in, 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 in SEO, you've discovered, you know, you've done the work. And you, mm-hmm. the, 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 you know, the, the cream always rises to the top. And that, that, that is the reason. So in an e-commerce standpoint, you know, I suppose people need to think, you know, about how they're going to go against the grain, you know, how they're going to tell unique stories, how they're going to bring out unique products that actually mm-hmm. are different, you know. And this and is where, yeah. I value. Think, it's value. Yeah. I think a lot of social listening is important for e-commerce. And what I mean by that mm-hmm. is, because I think this is similar to, like I spend a lot of my time on Twitter for my own brand. Um, and part of that is just because I love it. Um, but part of that also is listening to what is the community talking about? So for example, today there's all sorts of discussion on whether or not we should be disavowing links. We don't need to get into all that topic. But the point is, I can see on Twitter, there's a lot of heated discussion on this. So that's a good place for me to put content out, right? People mm-hmm. are interested in this. People are discussing it. So let's translate that to an e-commerce store. Um, there's still going to be buzz about something in your industry. So whatever products you're selling, you know, you should be listening, especially on Reddit. Um, if people are talking about your type of product, and let's say uh, there's a Reddit thread saying, why doesn't anybody make a yoga mat that is comfortable or, you know, something like that, right? And then you, that's, that's key that you can start pushing, okay, our mats are comfortable and put a guide out to determine, you know, which of the brands of mats that uh, you can buy for yoga are the most comfortable because we tested them all. And some of you who are watching this are thinking, oh my gosh, that's a lot of work. Like in the past, I just hire a company to go build me some links. Um, And this is the thing, like, unless you can legitimately get people saying like, oh yeah, this company's yoga mats, they're the best. 
then it's going to be hard. But if you can break that nut, you know, if you can figure out like how to get people legitimately talking about your brand, then those are the things that can translate into better EAT. Um, and then if you have more EAT, you're more likely to benefit from ranking changes and algorithm updates. That makes makes a lot of sense. Makes makes some um, you know massive amounts of sense. So, essentially, you know, brands really should 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 should, should go out there and um, you know um, you know own their you know find their voice. You know, find find their mm. voice. Yes, yes, that's good. That's right. good. Yeah, and and even I mean, for me, when I first started, it was all about penalties, right? And nobody was. Nobody was really talking about penalties at the time. So Mm -hmm. as a a business, if you can find, you know, what are people talking about right now and how can we emerge as the leaders in that? How can we emerge so that people would say, ah, you know, there's um, uh, years ago when Panda first came out, Google gave us that list. Do you remember the list of 23 questions by Amit Singhal? Yes. Very, very easy to find. Just, you know, do a Google search for Amit Singhal's 23 questions. Everybody watching this should go through that list because there are things. One of the questions is, would users recognize you as an authority? That's EAT right there. Yep. Um, would users trust your brand? Would they give their credit card information uh, to your site? Um, does your website provide useful information that is beyond obvious? Does it offer significant value? Um yep amongst all the other websites that are competing. So, and and again, those are very, you know, it's not something I can be like, oh, I'm just going to turn on my value. You know, you've got to really, really brainstorm um, and uh, and come up with unique ideas, but it can be done. It definitely can. It can. Okay. So, um, it brings me to to the next set of questions. What other um, aspects of this quality guideline should we pay special attention to. We talked about trust. We started out with trustworthiness. Um, we're, we're an authority. Um, you know, what next? I think a good place to start. I mean, I think everybody who does any type of SEO should be reading the entire book. Uh, the bits at the end are a bit more about like how to use your phone for the for the mobile uh, for you know for people rating things on mobile. That's not so important. But if you had to pick um, just some parts to read, I would look at the examples given, uh, and there are a lot of examples where they actually give screenshots of actual websites and they say we consider this high or low quality uh, because of this and that. Um, and so what you can do is you can look through the examples and see, like, do any of these relate? So one, uh, there's a lot of examples that talk about ad quality. Um, and if you have ads that are deceiving people. So if, if in order to get people to click on an ad, if you have to disguise it and make it look like it's not an ad, that's something that's supposed to be seen as a sign of low quality. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think what else. I mean, there's so much in there that I think really reading the examples is probably the best place to start um, mm-hmm. in terms of e-commerce. And uh, we actually, we're going to be working on uh, producing some guides specific for e-commerce. So I'll have more for the, if you want to come back to me on that in a little yeah. bit, I'll have more for you on I'll that actually, for sure. If, if you're viewing on the Facebook page, I'm, I'm just, all the links you're mentioning, I'm just, you know, posting them to the Facebook page. And I've also linked through to, um, to, to, to your website, you know, your eat landing page. And I didn't even notice in your background, you have what eat. <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story. So I bought this in Walmart actually. And uh, the first time I set it up, uh, the, the cupboard um, was sort of in front of it. And it looked like there was a big sign over my head that said fat. <laughs> it was oh, the bottom of the E. Anyways. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, uh, we love investigating EAT, but I mean, it's important yeah. to know it's not 
everything in SEO, but we've seen, um, you know, you can make improvements uh, in sites in regards to EAT. Yeah, because, um, you know, um, I, you know, if I was, you know, running a platform at scale, you know, such as Facebook or, you know, Google, it is going to attract, you know, people who, you know, cheats, you know, cheaters, as you call it, you know, and, um, yeah, as in I'd, I'd want to flush them out. And, and I think that the next logical step is to listen to customers. You know, um, it just makes, you know, a lot of sense. And, you know, if like, you know, your business has been affected or any business, it really is a wake up call, you know, you know, whether you're really serving your market, you know, in your best capacity. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I, I welcome the, the development really. Um, yeah. So I have a question, Mary. Um, in Building links is hard and tough. Mm-hmm. In 2019, is it still the remit of an SEO professional to build links? Um, how do you know? How do you go about ethically and authentically building authoritative links today? So this is a question that has been around as long as I've been in SEO. Um, And we all know that links matter. And Google has said that links are very important. I mean, that's how Google became what they are today because uh, the other search engines, you know, Yahoo and Lycos and whatnot, they they weren't using links uh, back then as a ranking factor, you know. So Google figured out that like, especially if you look at scientific articles, if um, there's an article on diabetes uh, and I go to Google Scholar and I see the top article on diabetes has been referenced thousands of times. Whenever somebody writes about diabetes, they link to this article. That link tells Google like, oh, if lots of people are linking to this, it's important. It's valuable. It probably deserves to rank for diabetes searches. Um, And they translated that into general search. So beyond scientific articles. So the reason, let's take a step back and look at why do we get links? We get links because we're telling Google that a lot of people are recommending our content. So if we look at some of the ways that are even considered white hat today, um, let's look at guest posting as an example, right? Let's say I uh, guest post in a bunch of places. I'm trying to get links to an e-commerce store. And I say, you know, if you want a good washing machine, we sell them. And then I link to my own article. That's not a recommendation from that website. You know, that website was looking for content. They weren't looking to recommend washing machines to their customers. It's probably not a link that people are going to click on. It's only there for marketing purposes. You know, Um, Google doesn't want to count that kind of link. So the question that comes in is, well, if links matter and I can't, I mean, I'm not saying you can't guest post. There's some guest posting can be valid um, as long as it's not, uh, not done on a massive scale. Right. But the type of link that Google wants to count is true natural mentions, is people raving about your brand. Now, that's hard. If you sell, going back to the tape measures thing, you know, if you sell tape measures, there's very few people who link out to their favorite tape measures. I don't think I've ever done that. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's not, yeah. So it might be hard to get links to a product like that, but mm. your business could do tons of stuff. So you could do all sorts of um, stuff for your community that gets the press talking. You could uh, create a product. Um, one of the things that I love to see is when people create silly products. So you could create um uh, a pretend stapler that's made entirely of gold and sell it for $600,000 on your website Um, and then spread the word to journalists. And that creates buzz because people want to talk about your business. So link building is important, but I 
maybe building is the wrong word. If you can do things to legitimately get people to link to you, then those are the links that will move uh, the needle. And yeah, I mean, it's tricky. It it is very, very hard to do that. And I think there are some, like, it's perfectly okay to reach out to people. If I asked you if you could link to my website, you would, yeah. right? Yeah. You would because you already were recommending me. So if if people reach out to me all the time and say, hey, I wrote this blog post on like disavowing links. Can you link to it? I've never heard of that person. I've never, I didn't, you know, I, I only link to stuff because I want to recommend it. So the short version to that, I kind of babbled on there about that, but well, I'm fine. passionate about it. The short yeah. version is um, if you can find ways to get links where you don't have to trade something in return, um, where people really want to link to you, then scale that. You know, I mean, it's hard to scale it, but do as much of that type of thing as you can. Yeah, I think it's the the one word that could replace, um, you know, link building could be attention. You know, um, how how do you get you know attention, mm-hmm. eyeballs? You know, um, the, there's a brand in the UK. Um, it's called Pimlic, no Pimlico. You know, um, plumbers and um, the the owner Charlie Mullins has you know figured out you know magically not magically but he he knows how to you know um, just get the attention of the press and you know off the back of that um, he 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 he's been able to serve like celebrity you know clients and he just keeps on coming in and having an opinion he has a press machine you know just pushing things and it's clever it's manipulation of the the media and getting attention exactly what she said around you know having that golden stapler and then reaching out because that that is attention you know that's like in this world of instagram yep. you know yep. it's so, about getting attention you know yeah I, I like that. That's a, a really good way to put it. Um, I think another good way to get attention um, that's legitimate is to produce guides that are very helpful. Now, I say very because what I see all the time, we'll tell clients, you know, oh, you need to produce a guide so that if you have a product page and it's the same basically as everybody else's product page, like maybe the words aren't the same, but it's the same product, it's the same specs, it's all the same stuff. Um, and then you produce like a guide to using that product. That's only going to be valuable if people really find the guide valuable. So let's say you were a plumber. You're not going to go produce a guide on how to unclog a toilet because I'm sure there's tons of stuff already written about that. But let's say a new type of toilet comes out that uh, has its own specific issues, you know, like maybe, I don't know, these low flush toilets or something. And people are... uh, asking questions on Quora and on Yahoo Answers and on Reddit saying like, has anybody figured out how to fix this issue on the toilet? That's what you produce a guide on, right? Mm -hmm. And then, um, so for example, we have a client who's a realtor um, and they produced a guide on the best neighborhoods in their city. And it had a lot of real life data, like, you know, crime statistics, uh, where the schools are, the school ratings, like all these different things. That guide gets natural links all the time. But the important thing is that guide also gets clients for that um, realtor. So that shows us that it's very valuable. So you can't just produce like, in the past, you could blog for the sake of blogging. um, And now as you're producing content, it needs to be something that people would like to consume. Uh, And how would you promote the content? Would you, you know, buy ads on Facebook or would would you get in touch with, um, you know, journalists and bloggers, post it to Reddit? Um, What's this promotion I think all of those are good. So uh, John Mueller from Google, somebody asked him a few years ago whether it was against Google's guidelines to ask for a link. And he said no. 
again, I mean, we've said that, right? Like if I asked you to link to me and you wanted to link to me, that's fine. So I think, you know, all of these promotion, even Google's guide to SEO talks about promotion that when, when you have a fantastic, I think it was talking about baseball or something. And, it, and then mm-hmm. it says to reach out to uh, people who are authorities in that area. So mm-hmm. think about this. If you produced uh, a guide on using the disavow tool and you reached out to me as an influencer, again, I'm only likely to link to that if it's like, fantastic. It's really, really good. Or if I've already recognized you as like, oh yeah, you know, uh, this person has produced this content and everything they produce is great. So I'm going to link to it. So it's perfectly fine to reach out to journalists uh, to do Facebook ads. Um, AdWords is a really, really great way to test uh, things, you know, and, uh, and AdWords use is not going to improve your organic rankings, but you can see where, where, what works to get attention. So, you know, if you run ads with a specific feature of your products um, and nobody's clicking on those ads and that this other set of ads that's talking about some other feature is getting tons of attention, well, then, you know, like, let's produce content about that particular feature Let's reach out to journalists. Let's now you have to watch social media. I mean, if you go on Reddit and start touting your own stuff, you're going to get probably kicked out of most subreddits, right? Um, but there are ways that you can still do outreach, provided that uh, what you're trying to promote is actually link worthy. Yeah, yeah. I was just looking at um, Casper. Just rounding up. Just looking at Casper.com, and um, you know, they're the, what they've been. They started out like in 2015, and in the states. They're ranking number three for mattresses. Um, that's massive. You know, I know that's the one thing they do, but, you know, several other companies, you know, um, sell mattresses. Um, do, 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 is, is it the attention they've managed to, you know, acquire and the links off the back of that attention? That Probably, yeah. Got them to yeah, order? I think... Uh, that's a, I mean, every situation is, is different, but I think authority plays a big role there. Uh, I knew who you were talking about, right? So there's brand recognition and that brand recognition comes from authority. Uh, so they've been mentioned in authoritative places. Um, and I would imagine that the content is helpful too, right? So people are saying like in, again, like social media, um, we know like most of the links are no followed. So it's yeah. not like if you get a mention on Reddit that you're all of a sudden going to rank better. But if you get a mention on Reddit where like everybody's talking about this blog post that you wrote, yeah. then that can, that can, so Gary Ish actually said that mentions count for things and even mentions on social media. So if, you know, again, if every, if you can get people buzzing about your brand, yeah. then that's the type of thing that can translate into good rankings. Yeah. But that just makes sense in real life, right? Yeah, if don't. SEO didn't exist, if the internet didn't exist, how am I going to get people to come to my business? I, yeah. I've got I've to get buzz out there. I've got to yeah. get people talking about me. Yeah, and, and just looking at, at the stats here, um, so they're like you know, 27,000 searches for mattresses. Um, and you know, for Casper Mattress, there's 240,000 searches. So it's like 10, almost 10 times more than, mm-hmm. you know, um, that semantic core, um, you know, term, which, which is, which is mind blowing. Um, and that's just massive value. And that's some of how, uh, actual paid advertising can trickle down, I think, into EAT in a, in an indirect way, right? So again, the brand recognition. So if you, um, 
have enough ads out there so that people recognize your brand, then you're more likely to rank better organically because those signals are out there to say, this is not just some random person who decided to make a mattress. You know, this is a a big company that lots of people are talking about. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okie dokie. This about wraps up today's episode. It's been fantastic, you know, having you, you know, talking about eat. It's it's something that I've, I've been wanting to 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 get my, my 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 head around. And you know, thank you so much, Marie, for for all the content you're pushing out there, and and for for coming on today's show. Oh, thank you so much, and thanks for having me again. I I love talking about this stuff. So, um, so yeah, it was great. All right. Cheers. So that was a wrap on this week's episode of 2X e-commerce. Remember, you can catch me every week and also send your questions and comments on Twitter using the hashtag 2X e-commerce. Keep yourself in the loop by subscribing to this podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. It only takes a few seconds and it means you'll get the most up-to-date episodes to help you grow your online store. Do have a good one till I catch you on the next show. Bye-bye.